Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, this is Nobody Likes Casey McLean. Uh, this is, so the episode's coming out late. By the way, it's just now maybe this is the time that they come out. Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? Um, thank you for listening, though. By the way, I started a uh, sub stack. And please go check it out. It's at uh, caseymcclain.substack.com. Subscribe. There's going to be a uh, like free content on there. Uh, right now, there's a post about opening day, Major League Baseball's opening day. I posted it on April 1st, which was supposed to be the Seattle Mariners opening day. And then because of the uh, lockout, it ended up being a little bit later than that. So uh, anyways... There's also some subscription, some subscription tiers. Uh, these podcasts that I do completely on my own are going to end up behind like a paywall and there'll be, uh, hopefully guests on every week. That's the plan. Also, I'm going to write, uh, my goal is to write two blog posts a month and there'll be one of those that is not behind the payroll or paywall. The other one will be behind the paywall. There's, like I said, there's a $5 a month subscriptions. There's $50 a year subscriptions that get billed annually. And then there are $150 a month subscriptions that also get billed annually. And for those subscriptions, you get, uh, let's see, I, I actually, the other day, or I was, by the way, I tried to record this on video and my camera died in the middle of the, uh, my camera died in the middle of the recording. So eventually this will start going on YouTube, but I don't give a shit at this point. Who cares? Uh, okay. So what are the subscription tiers? We can find this out. Thank God we are recording. Ah, who knows? Who cares? There are some subscription tiers. Basically the deal is, the more, uh, the more, if you subscribe at the $150 a year tier, it's, uh, I'll give you a shout out every month. We already have one of those, by the way, one, it's called a founding member. And, uh, we're going to use the code name backwards, Trevor to, uh, to say who that person is. Shout out to you backwards, Trevor. You're very generous and you have made it official that I have to start doing, uh, paid things. You've single-handedly forced me to to follow up, to follow through on my promises to uh, create more content. I think since the last podcast, no, not since the last podcast, but I didn't talk about it on the last one. I had this trip to, uh, to, uh, Wenatchee where 
so this booker, and he might listen to this, that's fine. I'm not going to say anything uh, bad about him. I have nothing bad to say about him. This booker I've been trying to work with since like literally the time I started comedy. And there's been, you know, some combination of uh, <laughs> lack of interest on his part at some point. Um, I think bad timing at other points. And then actually when the pandemic started and shows got limited, I remember March 11th, 2020, I did the comedy underground when I think at that point events were limited to 250 people. And then very quickly they became like 50 people and then gone, uh, congregations of people were banned for a while. But in that first week, I remember, I mean, things were very scary. We've, it's been talked about a lot, but, uh, a comedian named Todd Berry was supposed to go perform in Wenatchee, Washington. And when the venue size got reduced to 50 seats, Todd Berry couldn't make money in Wenatchee. So this dude called me and he's like, Hey man, can you come out? I need a show. And I was, I agreed to do it. And then I talked to my wife and I, uh, both of my parents have comorbidities. Uh, her parents are, uh, older, older than us also as is the, uh, as is the reality of, uh, parenthood. And I had to cancel for the sake of my family. And so then I, you know, I've had a couple moments where I've kind of fucked bookers over and I never do it on purpose, but I always feel bad. I always give that person some grace. Listen, I understand. It sucks to get fucked over. I've had, by the way, I've had way more comics cancel on me than I've canceled on bookers. A couple weeks ago, I actually, I fucked up and I double booked myself. I was booked to feature at a... At the show, I guess I won't say the place. And another booker I've been trying to work with, and I was also booked at Tacoma Comedy Club, and I fucked up. I just didn't put the other booker show on my calendar, and I had to I had to take the Tacoma Comedy Club gig. In the hierarchy of comedy shows, for me, shows at comedy clubs are number one. Even like theater shows are amazing and they're a great experience, but it's not something I'm able to do on a regular basis. Uh, so the point is I go to leave for Wenatchee. And so a couple weeks ago, I noticed that I had a, I had a tire that was like low on air. And so I filled it up and then a couple weeks went by and it was a little bit low again. It wasn't all the way low. It wasn't as low as it was when I noticed it the original time, but it had lost a little bit of air. And I was like, ah, this is dicey, but let's just get through these. I have, uh, this, this up, by the way, I'm going to going all over the fucking place this weekend. I'm going to Pasco, Washington, Moses Lake, Washington. Then I'm, uh, going to Kalispell, Montana or big fork, Montana. And then I'm flying back from Spokane to Seattle. It'll be the second time in under six months that I've been on the 6 a.m. flight Sunday morning at Spokane Airport. So, I, uh, anyway, I go out to my car. I'm scheduled to do this show in Wenatchee. 
I get off my day job at about, I don't know, noon so that I can go to the show. Maybe it was two, whatever. And I get out to my car. I look at the tire. My plan was to make sure it had the right amount of air before I drove hundreds of miles on it. I get out to my car and there's a fucking bulge. And so I go through all the ruminations. Luckily, my uh, my wife was off work that day. Why was she off work? Maybe it was spring break or something like that. And uh, and so I called her and I'm like, I'm fucked. I have this situation. I'm fucked. I could go get a tire, but it's going to take an hour and a half, which means I'd be showing up at this show like probably 10 minutes after it starts at the best. That's the best case scenario. I've never worked with this booker before, and I Wenatchee, Washington isn't a place where they have like a fucking deep lineup of comics, so I know that if I fuck this booker this time, it's bad. It's going to be bad. So my wife and I, we swap cars, and I let my wife drive. She drove like two miles on this bulge tire, and I went and spent $800 on getting new tires the next day, and... uh Anyways, made it out to, I made it out to Wenatchee. Also, I have this experience now. I read this book, uh, I read this book called Burning the Light, Running the Light, Burning the Light or Running the Light by Sam Talent. And it's had this pretty distinct impact on me because he talks about the, the, the book is about a guy named Billy Ray Schaefer, who's a fake, he's a fictional character. But he's like a, you know, 35-year road dog comic. And one of the chapters, he talks about how when he first had kids and when him and his ex-wife first got together, when his weekend of comedy was over, no matter where he was, he would start on his way back home. And I, then I, and then over time, slowly, he stopped doing that. He, he started lollygagging and staying out on the road a little bit longer, sleeping in the next day. Doing these things that are actually maybe better for your long-term health, but maybe not better for your family. And I had a moment. I'm in Wenatchee. I have a hotel provided. I, But I have my wife's car. I have my daughter at home. That's also, by the way, that's why I thought about driving on the Bulge. And like, what's, I go like, well, what's worst case scenario? I'm like on the pass and I have to change my tire. But no, that's not worst case scenario. Worst case scenario is I fucking die. <laughs> I don't want to do that. That means more to me now to not die than ever before. So, uh, we make this decision and then I'm in Wenatchee and I have this hotel and I check into the hotel and then I just, I'm like, Am I fucking Billy Ray Schaefer? If I stay at this hotel, am I Billy Ray Schaefer? Am I starting to sacrifice my my family's happiness for my own comfort when it comes to stuff on the road? When it's already, by the way, like an imposition. When you have a family, when you have a partner, but a, but especially now that we have a child, it's very inconvenient for my family for me not to be home. And then to compound that by coming home later especially by the way like i make decent money doing comedy but i also have a day job and the the luxury of having a day job is not having to make every decision to scrimp and 
hold on to every penny you can. I can still go on the road, make a profit, and then maybe pay a little extra for a flight that leaves a little bit earlier, say. Or more, most importantly, gets me home a little bit earlier. So I, decided, I just drove home that night. I left the show, drove home immediately. Okay. Um, on the, on the video version that I was doing, I talked about, uh, Russell Wilson has Russell Wilson's house is for sale. If you have $36 million, there's a house in Bellevue on the water that's available that Russell Wilson used to live in. Uh, I do want to play this Cam Newton clip because the way Cam Newton said a, an offensive thing that, um, he said a thing that was offensive to some people that when I heard it, I was like, there's no way that's what he actually said. The thing that was being depicted was that Cam Newton said that women belong in the kitchen, basically. <clears throat> and I was like, there's no way he said that. But by the way, he's from the South. I think uh, uh, very often people who will tell you that, uh, for example, they'll say like black people are not a monolith. They don't really mean that they might have like a conservative view on something. They mean that inside of the range of acceptability, they're not a monolith. Had camp a couple, uh, a little over, I think it was a little over a year ago, maybe a year ago. No, it was in, he was in, uh, Carolina, I believe, but. Cam Newton made a uh, a comment to a reporter, a female reporter, who asked him about routes, and he made a comment. Let's see if I can. I might actually be able to pull that up pretty quickly. Cam Newton routes. It's gonna be rough. Um. Oh God, it was 2017. I thought it was a year ago. Time. This was that was almost five years ago, October 5th, 2017. Um. Are we going to see the video? Is the video going to be available? I'm sure that I talked about it on a podcast. I don't think it was this podcast, but I mean, there's almost no way it could have been. Let's see. Come on, video. Come on, video. Ah, here we go. Oh, wait, no. This is a different. All right. So this is this is where Cam Newton has lost a lot of goodwill is because of the clip that's about to play. He lost goodwill. He lost the benefit Devin of the Funches doubt. Devin seemed to really embrace the physicality of his routes and, and making getting those extra yards. Does that give you a little bit of an enjoyment to see him kind of truck-sticking people out there? It's funny to hear a female talk about routes. Like It's funny. See, the, so that's... I actually think that is very offensive. Because... Most of the reporters, male or female, that Cam Newton deals with didn't play football at a high level. But so, uh, Cam Newton's on this uh, podcast. Is this his podcast? Million Dollars. It's called Million Dollars of Game, I believe. Let's see. Million Dollars of Game. Maybe it's... million dollars of 
game. Million dollars worth of game. <laughs> Million dollars worth of game. Is this his podcast? I don't think it's his his podcast, but it's a Barstool Sports podcast. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So they're, they're interviewing... Yeah, it's not his podcast. They're, they're interviewing Cam Newton, and this is the conversation, where the conversation went and what people are mad about. I had a, a perfect, a perfect example of what a man was in my life by my father. Mm. My parents have been together for 36, 37 years now, and it's, and it's a beautiful thing. Mm. Uh, I grew up in a three-parent household, my mom, my father, and my grandmother. And uh, I knew what... A woman was, not a bad bitch. Okay, what's the difference? A woman. Okay. A bad bitch is a person who's just, you know, girl, I'm a bad bitch. You know, I'm doing yeah. this, I'm doing that. I I, I, I look the part, but I don't act the part. Okay. You know, and it's a lot of women who are bad bitches, and I say bitches in, in, in a way not to degrade a woman, but – just to 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 go off the aesthetic of what they deem is a boss chick. Mm -hmm. Now, a woman for me is handling your own, but knowing how to cater to a man's needs, mm -hmm. right? And I think a lot of times when you get that aesthetic of like I'm a boss bitch, like I'm a this, I'm a that. No, baby, like, but you can't cook. Okay. You don't know. You don't know when to be quiet. You mm. don't know how to allow a man to lead. Okay, so this is going to be it's tough, uh, tough place to be defending Cam Newton on this because inevitably the rhetoric on this turns into like kind of a thing to me that starts to devalue women who do want to do those things. And Cam Newton never said all women should be this, and. I, the other thing I think, by the way, first off, he hasn't earned himself the benefit of the doubt. I get that. I'm not. I'm not stupid. Uh, so he doesn't say all women should do this. He says, for me, this is what a, what I want from a relationship with a woman. Uh, he. The other, the other thing that happens here is there's like a uh, casual way of speaking that Cam Newton is employing here where he's not trying to run for office. He's not trying to run for a comedian who could get a special on Netflix because they're politically correct enough. He's speaking in the plain way that he means to speak. So often I feel like I have to qualify things. I do this all the time. I'm like, well, I'm doing it right now. I'm doing it right now. I'm talking about how difficult it is it is to be defending Cam Newton on this specific thing. Because I don't think Cam Newton's saying uh, that women belong in the kitchen. I do think he's saying that he he needs a certain level of maturity and often, and I, he's not saying this part, but I do think this is true, is that oftentimes with maturity and women come these, like, nurturing things. And it's okay for Cam Newton to need from his partner 
some nurture. Of course. We should be able to, like, short of, it's that uh, short of abuse and short of psychological manipulation. Two consenting adults should be able to enter into a relationship of any type they want. I'll tell you this, by the way, that's what Cam Newton describes as not my relationship with my wife. My wife uh, has historically made basically just as much money as I have. She's worked full-time since uh, since she got her first full-time job. Uh, she's worked full-time and made, made close to as much money as I have uh, or at times made more than I did. Um, I do the majority of the cooking. She does the laundry. I do the yard work. Like We have some traditional gender role shit. My point is I'm not saying this to defend my own relationship. It's not. Uh, what my, well, the way my wife and I relate the relationship that we have is, is not what Cam Newton is describing entirely. But I, I mean, I will say like my wife is a great mother and part of the thing that I was, uh, attracted to is the are the traits that make her a great mother that she's dependable she's caring she's nurturing she's she's uh nice and she's creative and she's um you know all these things and that's what i want and i think cam newton is actually praising his mom and grandma here like these are women that he loves also it's really easy to just read a headline and I, by the way, I'm not, I'm also not saying that this, like this clip exonerates him completely. And it's tough in 2022 to be a guy saying bitch, calling women bitches. That's tough to defend that. But again, I think, I think that like this, like shock that Cam Newton could possibly hold an opinion like this is I think an indication of ignorance among because I think this is the thing that liberals think only conservatives feel or or a, 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 these are values that only conservatives have and it's just simply not true uh a dude named Josh Shear who's on uh, on Twitter as mystical chef posted a video of uh, Spokane-style pizza, and I'm going to let him describe it because we're not doing video. Spokane-style pizza is the most underrated regional pizza. You start off with a Pyrex because Spokane actually invented the casserole, fry sauce, a local delicacy. Then you're going to put some canned salmon on top of there along with bell pepper and onion. Then you top it with mozzarella cheese and some wild forward strawberries from the Spokane Coeur d'Alene region. That gets baked Detroit-style with a crispy cheese crust, and then you bring it out and top it with more fry sauce. Let's dig in. Mmm. Get that good quality Eastern Washington salmon. You got that beautiful creamy fry sauce and that little hit of sweetness and acid from the strawberry. I see why the entire city of Spokane and the greater Coeur d'Alene region really loves this pizza. This is awesome. You guys should check it out. Spokane style pizza is the most- So the, I, this is a perfect joke. It's an absolutely perfect joke, joke because some people are angry and some people are in on it. They get it. And it's very funny. I, uh... My Where it got me is Eastern Washington salmon. I have a rule. I might have talked about it on here. I have a rule that I will not eat sushi, and I try to avoid all fish that has to cross a mountain range. 
So, uh, ocean fish, when I'm in Spokane, Washington specifically, I'm not eating it. Sushi, I'm not eating it. I made that mistake one time. I was in, uh, I was in Spokane with a headliner named Megan Gailey. I think if you go back on this podcast, you could listen to, uh, us talk about the story, but she, like a, like a generous headliner, took me and the, the host out for sushi the last night before the last shows. And I, when we got the, the sushi place was very close to the club. We actually ran into a couple of the owners there. It's a family owned club chain. We ran into a couple of owners on the way to the, the sushi place. They were like, oh, you're going to love it. And we ate sushi. We had family style sushi, you know, three or four rolls out on the table. I, it's the first time I've ever enjoyed edamame. Um, uh, that's an ESPN video starting 11 minutes into me having the goddamn window open, scaring the shit out of me again. So we go to the sushi place and again, it's like a two or three minute drive to the club. We finish. Uh, she pays generously Megan Gailey, who's actually like nine months pregnant, by the way, about to have her first child. Congratulations to you, Megan Gailey. But, uh, I think on, by the way, on social media at Megan Gailey everywhere, she's awesome. Very funny. One of the funniest headliners I've worked with and a very fun follow, especially during sports, uh, seasons that you care about. Cause she's a huge sports fan also. So we go to this sushi place and we arrive at the club and I have to, I, I come in and I'm like, uh, this is, I believe it was my first, yeah, it was my first weekend ever featuring at Spokane Comedy Club and I wanted to impress the owners so that they'll let me do it again. And I show up and one of the owners is sitting at the back table and I go up and he's like, Hey, good to see you. Uh, and I was like, Oh, I didn't know you'd be here. And he's like, and I tr I'm trying to like keep it together. It's like a hundred degrees in Spokane at the time. Uh, I have, let's call it stomach discomfort for, uh, the sake of my mom. When she listens to this, I have stomach discomfort and I'm like trying to impress. It's like basically Every part of comedy is like a job interview, especially when the booker is around, right? You're like, you get to see, you get to, you have to like be on your game, be nice. Don't seem needy. Don't seem whatever. And I, I know I've known this guy for a while, but I walk up to him and we're talking. We don't know each other that well. And I go, listen, uh, this is very rude. I got to take the biggest shit in the history of my life. Can you please? Can I come back and talk to you in a minute? And he's like, okay. And then what I didn't know, because it took me a while to finish what I needed to do. What I didn't know is that shortly after me, uh, both the host, a guy named Folger Emerson, and Megan Gailey came into the club. And they both did the same thing. They were like, fuck, 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 fuck. We can't talk. Walk to the bathroom blow the blow the bathroom up and uh yeah so no no uh fish that goes over a mountain range uh clayton kershaw los angeles dodgers pitchers one of probably the best pitcher of this generation 
it depends on where you consider the generation to stop. Because Kershaw, Kershaw's always younger. He's always deceptively young. How old are you, Clayton Kershaw? Yeah, 34. He seems about 46, how long he's been in the majors. So do you consider, I mean, I guess we could pull this up separately. Jacob deGrom is 33. Uh, Jacob deGrom, maybe you could argue, is a better pitcher, but it's close. Max Scherzer is on the list also. So this guy's among, I mean, future Hall of Famer, no doubt. One of the best pitchers in the history of baseball. And in his first start of 2022, he went seven innings, throwing a perfect game. And the Los Angeles Dodgers pulled him. And typically, almost always, I am on the side of these like analytics decisions. Almost always, I am in favor of making an unpopular decision that gives you a better chance to win. But Kershaw, I believe the team was up 7 nothing. He only threw 80 pitches. If he keeps dealing at the same rate, what is he going to throw? 25, 30 more pitches, 110 pitches? Maybe like, I mean, yes, he missed, he missed time in 2021. Yes, the whatever lockout shortened, spring training, et cetera, et cetera. But let the man have a chance at it. I, I do think this is an area where analytics do fuck up the game a little bit because perfect games are very fun. And in this case, analytics to a large degree robbed us of an opportunity of fun. A 34-year-old Clayton Kershaw doesn't have many more chances to throw a perfect game. Um, has, oh, my God. To see, this is what I'm talking about with this ESPN. i got to mute this fucking website. This, this website pisses me off. There's no website that annoys me more than ESPN.com that I rely on for enjoyment more than ESPN.com. All right, lastly, uh, Gilbert Gottfried died. It's very sad. Undisclosed illness, long-time illness, apparently. Again, I'll give you the assurance that if uh, if I come down with an illness, I will never shut the fuck up about it. I don't have the pride. I don't have the modesty to not mention my illness. I think it's, uh, it's incredibly sad that we've lost Norm MacDonald, Bob Saget, Louis Anderson, and now Gilbert Gottfried all in a span of, I mean, under six months. It's very sad. I I was never like in love with Gilbert God, Gilbert Gottfried as a stand-up, although I don't think he was bad. Uh it just he wasn't like an iconic stand-up in my mind, partially because he got a lot of work as an actor. I remember him in Problem Child before I remember him as a stand-up. And then as a stand-up, I remember like Roasts and I remember The Aristocrats, but like his actual act, I never saw him perform live. But a guy who was in so many movies, a guy who was around, I mean, for 40 something years or something like that. And it's, this is like a, I mean, it's very sad that we're, this has lasted so long, but I think a lot about these people who lived these like accomplished and, and vibrant lives, these exciting lives in many cases, maybe not Gilbert Gottfried made comedy, not look that exciting. 
the way that he dealt. I don't know if you all are aware, but there's a, he has like a, like a hoarder's collection of hotel soaps and lotions and shampoos and shit like that. He's an odd duck. Uh, he was an odd duck. Gilbert Godfrey was, but, uh, to live these like accomplished and storied lives, these public lives. And then to just, you like lose the last two years of it. You know, what did we lose from Norm Macdonald? Did we lose a Norm Macdonald special if COVID hadn't happened and he would have been allowed to perform? I mean, I think we probably did lose a Bob Saget special. I don't know if we lost a uh, Louis Anderson special, but maybe he was an amazing in baskets. Maybe he would have been in a, if there was a third coming to America movie, we lost something. Gilbert Gottfried had a very popular podcast. He, I, th- I don't even think he was back out on the road yet. Um, so anyway, maybe he was, maybe he was a little bit, but it's very sad, very sad to see. I mean, 67 is uh, not a bad run, but not a good run. You'd like to see more. Uh, Especially a guy, by the way, who was like very health conscious. Anyway, rest in peace, Gilbert Gottfried. I am annoyed. I get annoyed when I see, I've seen people posting, I guess like you could, so Gilbert Gottfried's family on his social media accounts posted a picture of him with a message announcing that he had passed away. And I've seen a lot of people just take that image and repost it on their own social media. And it's, so there's a thing with comedy where you'll see somebody make like a joke that you know someone else has made. And that's shitty, especially, that's shitty no matter what. But it's especially shitty when it's not attributed to that person. That's very bad. That's the worst. But this felt like to me a lot of people who didn't know Gilbert Gottfried personally, who decided that this was like, and I I don't think people are having this like, they're not making a conscious decision to do this, but they, they want the likes themselves. And I... It's typically harmless. I understand how it's harmless, but when you post that on Twitter, instead of retweeting Gilbert Gottfried's account, or when you do it on Instagram, instead of reposting or whatever the workaround on Instagram is, ultimately, you are kind of robbing his family of the opportunity to like experience other people's grief, to understand a thing about their husband, their dad, their brother, whatever, like that maybe the comments on your post, they'll never see. But if you had just reposted their post, it's, it struck me shitty. I hated it. I didn't like seeing people do it. I understand people are always going to post pictures of themselves because especially comedians are fucking narcissists. If I had a picture with Gilbert Gottfried, I might've done it. I don't think any comedian I've ever worked with has ever died. Get on it. People that I've worked with, why haven't you died yet? That's probably not true. I've probably worked with somebody, but... uh, I haven't liked it. It's grossed me out. Thank you uh, for listening to this podcast, by the way. Thank you. Let me me use this Gilbert Gottfried... uh, 
this Gilbert Gottfried death to to prop up some dates. If you're listening to this when it comes out Thursday, I will be in uh, Pasco, Washington on uh, Friday, Moses Lake, Washington, Saturday, Kalispell, Montana. I'll be in Texas uh, April 28th through 30th at uh, the Creek in the Cave, the new Cap City, and then another place in uh, Georgetown, Texas that I don't actually know the what it's called but that's i'll be in georgetown texas and then a bunch of dates coming up uh spokane is probably going to happen at some point in the summer by the way if you're a fan of spokane pizza and you want to and you want to see me perform tacoma um port townsend louisville kentucky uh cascade idaho i'm going to be all over the place check dkcmcclain.com for uh for dates and links to tickets and all that shit Ugh. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Follow me at DKC McLean. Subscribe to my stuff, my Substack. Leave a voicemail, 253-237-3217. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.